In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 71, Not Ready to Make Nice. Not Ready to Make Nice. What is this, Erin? By the Chicks. By the Chicks. By the Chicks. And this song is my anthem. I love it <laughs> so much. It's on every playlist of mine because it is just gritty, mm-hmm. in your face. Look, I'm not ready to make th- I'm not ready to pretend this is all okay so you feel better. Yeah. That's really what it is to me. I'm this not- should be on our signatures email signatures <laughs> as we sign off <laughs> on yet another inane conversation yes via email i'm not ready to make nice not ready <laughs> not ready to make nice nope. so what would you say this is about like what picks where people aren't going to back down no one is going to back down no in these one picks. they're no saying one. no this is an issue this is my hill and i'm going to die on it yeah this and is for people yeah for people who may not know remind people like what the story of this or like the background yeah of this so song. this is the group Formerly the Dixie Chicks, they mm-hmm. changed their name to the Chicks uh, as recently, but they came under a bunch of fire during the um, George W. Bush presidency um, because they said they were embarrassed of mm-hmm. him. And this led to like widespread outrage in the country. I mean, people were holding parties where they were running over their CDs with like, you know, bulldozers and steamrollers and stuff. And they went through a period of basically hell where mm-hmm. they were getting death threats, yeah. death threats, death threats for speaking their mind. Again, yeah. this is an opinion. You uh-huh. don't have to agree with it. And you don't have to listen to them. If you, you don't, don't like them anymore, no. great, don't listen. No one said it was going to be the national anthem. No. <laughs> Although it kind of should be. It should be. Yeah. It should be. It should be but the female national anthem. It should be. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. But 
they got a whole bunch of flack for it. It was terrible. And they wrote this song in response. They like, sure did. Hey, guess what? We stand by it. It's mm-hmm. our opinion. We're not ready to make nice. And what I we're like not to, ready to back down. No, we're not. We're mad as hell. <laughs> and now you're just quoting the lyrics. You betcha. <laughs> Try not to sing it. Just quote them. <laughs> well, after you suggested this song, I watched the video again because I forgot mm-hmm. this song. Um and what I loved about the video, and we'll link to that, of course, is that there's a very, like, gendered thing going on. It's showing, mm-hmm. like, you know, women being tied down and, you know, deemed hysterical for saying their mind, which, damn, if that's not what we like to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is all because of someone's opinion. Mm-hmm. This isn't, nobody was saying this was fact. Yeah. No one was like, I don't know, like, maybe like a CDC director that was like on national TV saying things that you knew weren't true that would like have a profound effect on your children. It wasn't that. that. It wasn't that. No. It wasn't that. Nope. 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 This was just a a stray comment. Yeah. To which people responded, shut up and sing or you'll die. Yeah. Shut up and sing. Uh So I don't like what you said, but I like your voice enough that I expect you to keep using it. And shut up and look pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really what's being said, right? Mm -hmm. So this week, we're not ready to make nice. No, we're not. Just to be clear, not ready to make nice. So Aaron, I've got a question for you. Oh, yeah. Have you ever held a grudge? And or are you currently holding a grudge? Oh, God, I love grudges so much. Grudges are great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, okay. I am quick to pull the grudge card. Like, I'm quick to be like, I'm putting on a boycott or I have a grudge. But I can, if you give me time, usually I kind of like back off of it. Mm. If you ask Mike, he'll tell you. And one of the many reasons I love that man is Mm. because he wholeheartedly supports every (laughs) grudge I bring to the table without question. (laughs) That might be out of fear of becoming one of the grudges. Yeah, but that's also fantastic. He is. is ride or die. Yep. I have boycotted clothing stores mm-hmm. i have held grudges against Ooh, restaurants yeah. i pasta have makers pasta make yeah everything mm-hmm. that i can do mm-hmm. and that's grudges can be useful yeah i still won't eat at chick-fil-a no good lord Sorry. no yeah and i still will never support mitch mcconnell i have a whole big grudge against well, him and yeah. that grudge is coming right back yeah in my mind that's just coming right back for yeah. sure mm-hmm. yeah but i yeah i like i think grudges are healthy yeah and i think they're important Me and too. i understand that when i take a grudge or boycott a large chain that they're not feeling that necessarily in their pocket but you know what i always good. say i vote with my dollars I vote yeah. and then I vote with my dollars. Yes. And at the end of the day, that means something to me. Yes. So that's what I'll do. And you know, when we were talking about this, it reminds me of Reese Witherspoon on Big Little Lies when she says, you know, I like my grudges. I want to tend to them like little pets. Yes. That's what we're doing. Yes. I like it to grow. Yes. I like it to get bigger. <laughs> I like to find more reasons to add to, to it. reach into the sky and take over. Yes. Yeah. I always, this is a really obscure reference, oh. but... Um, do you remember the show King of Queens with yeah. Kevin James and Leah Remini? Okay. On her show, Jerry Stiller played her dad. Okay. And he was constantly had a grudge about something. And one of the things was Halloween. And <laughs> the most iconic memory of, for me from that show is him walking in the back door and seeing like the big Kit Kats and, uh-huh. and picking them up and going, big Kit Kats, also banned. <laughs> Throws them out the back door. <laughs> Everything related to Halloween was banned in the house. And like whenever I start a grudge, for some reason, I always think of him saying that. Big Kit Kats also banned. Wow. Get on the train. Also, I like that phrase. Whenever I start a grudge, whenever I get ready to grudge the shit out of something. I like to gather up my thoughts, my big Kit Kats. Yeah. Get ready. 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. Grudges are great. They I are. agree. I love yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So what pushes you over the edge to stand up for something, someone, yourself, hold a grudge? You know what really sucks, and this is because I think we are taught this way, is that so much more often I will immediately stand up for someone else mm. versus myself. Absolutely. And in in my mind, like the circumstances will be so much more clear. My uh, reasoning will be so much more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Like I will have a clear um supportable reason for standing up for this other person but mm-hmm. when it comes to me i immediately am doubting myself i'm like oh no they didn't mean that oh no no it's okay like it's yeah, fine yes but you you know you cut in on someone that i care about shit is going down i like that yeah scrappy yeah but you're right we're not taught to apply that to ourselves i know i want to be more scrappy for myself yes i want to yeah. defend myself more yep instead of worrying about if people like me <sighs> I know, but that is a yeah, hard balance. It is really hard. And especially when you're worried about like, you know, family or, or other people that you have to continue seeing. Like you can't cut these people out of your life. Like you right. have to you have to find a way to stand up for yourself and respect yourself and, and respect your dignity. But at the same time, you're worried like, what if they don't like me anymore? Right. Yeah. I, what if I'm disappointing them? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I understand that. I hate that. Aaron. Are there issues that people refuse to back down on that you just do not understand? Yeah, 100%. For me, the ones that always strike me, and and I see this on both sides of the aisle, so um, it's equal opportunity here. When you are so diehard in one corner that mm-hmm. you won't, you can't even be bothered to listen to logic or yeah. reason, I'm immediately suspect of your motives. Absolutely. Because no matter how like deep rooted I feel about something I want to know all sides of it I want mm-hmm. to understand something and I also think that that might be somewhat of a female perspective that yeah. we they, we want to understand what everyone thinks about something yes. or feels about something like we have to we feel like we have to give time to everyone yes like we have to yes yeah, exactly. absolutely mm-hmm. but I, I also put a lot of value in that because if yeah. you if you can stand behind it and explain to me why then that's fine with me but mm-hmm. if you can't then I have questions as to why you feel that passionate about it yeah the example that I can think of right now is I don't understand the mask argument. Like if you're out in public, no. you have to wear a mask. It is what it is. I don't understand trying to tell me that's a civil liberty exactly. in the United States. Yeah. Because last time I checked, you can still talk. You so you're not talk. muzzled. You can and talk through a mask. Like you've said before, like we hang signs, no shirt, no shoes, no service. People yep. respect that. What the hell is yep. the problem with a freaking mask? Exactly. You know, I remember distinctly when restaurants said there was no longer going to be smoking mm-hmm. in restaurants because the other people in the restaurant weren't making the choice to get secondhand smoke. Right. That was the exact reason for it. Mm-hmm. And people lost their minds. How lost dare you? I have a right to smoke everywhere. Now, besides a casino in Vegas, maybe, if you lit up somewhere, people would be... Aghast. Yes. And look how quick that culture changed yeah. same thing with seatbelt law that mm-hmm. was not a thing people were behind they were like that's insane if i want to throw myself through a windshield in a high-speed crash it's my right and all of these are about like you know uh, subjecting yourself to danger and like yes. yeah it's my right to do that cool but how about subjecting others to danger because mm-hmm. that's what the point of this entire thing is yes that you don't have that choice or ability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yep. that's a good one. Yeah, I cannot as the more and more. And we're in one of those states yeah. where our governor has made some very suspect decisions in this front. Yes. And so we're routinely like at trips to Costco, seeing people throw freaking tantrums about wearing masks. I know in other states, it's not necessarily the same in other right. cities. Even some of the authors that we've talked to, they've said this is not the situation. But here it is. And I still cannot figure out what is so wrong with people. I don't. 
I, I don't think I'll ever understand it. Mm-mm. It's just not logical. And and people that I have pressed that have mentioned that yeah. they don't feel, I don't really think it's necessary. I've pressed and there's no logical reason. No. There's nothing. There's nothing. And some of their argument seems to be that, oh, well, at first they said not to wear masks. Now they say to wear them. And I think, you know, you're touching your face and all this. Okay. First of all. It's a pandemic. So information is going to ebb Everyone and flow. is learning. We're evolving. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. Knowledge is yeah, changing. And if there's one thing you can do that you know is going to have a profound yes. impact to stop this, guess what? That's going to get you back to your life sooner. Exactly. To all your liberties that you love so much. So much. And isn't there, um, there's been statements that if we all just wore masks for the next six weeks, we could freaking end this thing. Right. We could get back to all the world right. that you're so desperate to return to. Yes. And if you are so against wearing masks, I assume you are for meth, heroin, cocaine, <laughs> all of those things being legalized because how dare someone prevent me from doing damage to myself? Exactly. Exactly. It's a civil liberty for me to shoot up. It sure is. You can't Ugh. pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. God, people suck. Also, retake history because that's not what civil liberties means. <laughs> it's, not. Okay, it's not. It's no. not. Nope. 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 Also, reread the Constitution. There's a whole thing in there about the greater good. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, speaking of, I'm obviously... We're coming in hot I'm again. triggered. I'm triggered by this. <laughs> Do you think that there's value in anger? God damn right there is. Mm-hmm. I think that every single bit of progress that we've had in this country, in the world, is fueled by anger. Mm-hmm. No matter if it's a movement that's clarified as nonviolent or anything, there is anger behind that at the situation. There's anger at the way things are. So yes, anger is a fueling force for change. We need it. Also, it feels good to mm-hmm. be angry sometimes. It does. And... In some ways, I feel like being angry can help us get past some of the inertia of just sort of letting things be the way they are. They can get us to go out and vote. Anger can fuel us to make changes and to see what's wrong. And yeah, so I think it's, it's and especially for women, women need to own their anger. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be angry. No matter what I just said about like not standing up for myself, I understand that. Yeah. I understand uh, yes. that I do that and mm-hmm. I get really annoyed with myself. I get angry at myself. Mm-hmm. But man anger for women mm-hmm. it looks damn good mm-hmm. and you got to do it no matter what anybody else says mm-hmm. yep. what do you think yeah i think the same i mean i think it's always the people on the other side saying why are you so angry mm-hmm. are the exact reason that we're here because you wouldn't listen to me when i wasn't angry you yes. got me to this point yes and then you're you're surprised that i feel this passionate about it because you poked and poked until i exploded and i also feel like anger anger is sort of the the mask we put on the other feelings that are coming out to me anger is the front feeling for fear frustration um being belittled being demeaned um being inferior Mm -hmm. being treated that way being discriminated against anger is sort of the front that has to take the brunt of all of those feelings yes because how else do you express how awful all of those feelings are yes the only other way to express it is to get in the fetal position and cry and nobody's listening to that they're Mm -hmm. stepping over you Mm -hmm. so what choice do i have but to be angry and show you that i'm angry absolutely so. And nothing's going to change if we don't get angry. And we exactly. want things to change. So let's get angry. Let's get it. Not ready to make nice. <laughs> not. You know, I think uh, that reminds me of cats because cats are always on my mind. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, you know, 
I think in a, I caught up on some of our recent episodes lately uh-huh. uh, because, you know, we'll release them and then I won't listen to them for a while just yeah. to remind our, yeah. myself, like, yeah. God, we're great. <laughs> so we're great. hilarious. So funny. And I had talked about how I thought at first that my cats were not bonded like they said they were. Turns out they are. They are bonded often through anger. Um, they like to fight. and But then they like to lick each other and, you know, cuddle. So it's some weird sisterly stuff, but there's a lot of anger is the first thing that we saw. Mm-hmm. But then there's some sweet love behind it. Oh. So I don't really know what my point for that was, besides just to bring up the cats. Yeah. Say, hey, they're still here. Podcats are still here. Podcats are still here. <laughs> love and life. And I like it. And if they're bonded in anger, so be it. Yeah. They I am are... routinely waking up in the middle of the night to hear like a Thunderdome situation where they oh. are just, oh. there's hissing and there's swatting. And then I sort of rouse up and I see a cat just zooming around. And a 20-pound cat just zooming around. That's quite a sight. That is. I feel obliged to tell you that the American way would be to exploit that anger and sell tickets to the oh, Thunderdome. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, something to think about. Something to think about. I mean, I, <laughs> for a while I was having the Feral Cat Fight Club out front. You were. Which I never did sell tickets to that. I should have. Mm-hmm. That would have been good entertainment cover in a your, pandemic. Cover your, you know, expenses. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Missed opportunity. Yeah, really. But man, our picks. Woo! No missed opportunities here. Nope. Um, so my fiction pick mm. is, uh, I just finished this like a week ago. Oh. It's relatively hot off the presses from 2020. It's called Under the Rainbow by Celia Lasky. Oh. And Big Burr is a small town in Kansas, and it's been named the home, the most homophobic town in America. Whoa. How does it get so, that title? <laughs> you find out. Okay. So a group of LGBTQ activists moved to Big Burr for two years with the goal of living and working in the community and hopefully changing hearts and minds. How crazy. Like, I mean, imagine just moving right into the belly of the beast. And there you go. Wow. So terrific. already. Wow. Terrific setup Mm -hmm. for a novel. Absolutely. Um, And the structure. I forgot this is fiction. I was like, I was thinking this before real. I mean, but it feels real. Yeah. Right? Right? It seems like so much. Sorry. Wow. That was. I got real lost there for a second. That was unfortunate. This did not actually happen as far as I know. Okay. I was like, really? How did the city get named that? What? I'm so sorry. All right. I'm going to rein it back in and just listen to the story. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so the setup's great. The yeah. structure is even better because it's basically a novel of short stories, connected short stories. Oh, cool. You meet characters from the town and from the task force. And so you're getting all sorts of political beliefs, all types of people. But what I really love about this is it's sort of pushing past what you might anticipate into who these people really are, why they say and do the things they do. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because when I first started this, the two voices, the two sort of stories that I read first um, were the characters that I definitely liked the least. And I almost didn't keep reading because I just wasn't in the headspace to like oh, read about people sure. I didn't like. Right. You know, I understand that. But so I almost put the book down, but I did not. And I'm so glad I didn't because... Well, the first voice is the daughter of two lesbians that uh, one of them had moved here for the task force. Mm. And so the daughter's used to living in L.A., used to just, you know, seeing the modern world, but then moves to Big Burr and is, you know, faced with this almost like step back in time and trying to figure out how she fits to the point of sort of um, not admitting who her family is. Right. 
The second is a Christian conservative woman who takes this task force presence and this billboard that they put up. It's like a personal affront. So when I first read it, I was almost like, these are sort of stereotypes. I don't know if I'm going to you know, get into this. But then you meet Linda, who is a mom who's recently lost her son in a car accident. Mm. And she finds that the only people she can handle being around are these strangers in this task force because they're not talking to her about, they don't remember her son. They don't oh. like, they're not, you know, trying to remind her of who she was. They are accepting yes. this woman that she is now. Mm-hmm. You meet Gabe, who is a closeted gay man who he's like 45 he's trying desperately to avoid looking at grinder while he's out hunting so that he can keep his wife keep his son keep his normal life and you meet harley uh, a non-binary person who's living in this small town and dodging questions left and right of like what are you who are you what is this kind of thing um so I, I chose, there's lots more characters too. Yeah. And I chose for this theme because I think the idea behind this sort of two-year experiment is this group of people who won't back down from mm-hmm. this potential fight to almost a dangerous extent of actually moving to this town and trying to change hearts and minds. And I think that some of the people that won't back down from their rigid beliefs and practices, if they did, it could give them greater joy and fulfillment in their life, as you see in some cases. But some of them are just clinging so tight to what they think they believe and what they think is right Mm -hmm. to their misery, honestly. Um, But where it gets really interesting and poignant is when you get past this sort of warring mindset and just have people meeting people and just, you know, living life and starting to be around these people regularly and realizing, oh, they're not terrifying. Oh, they're not, you know, exactly who I thought they were. So I think it's a super satisfying read. Each new chapter story builds towards this overall revealing picture. It's it's really, really touching. I enjoyed it very much, oh, even though it great. is a novel, as Woo. you Woo. Um, almost forgot at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds so realistic that that <laughs> right. would actually be. I mean, you had right? me. Yeah. yeah. No, it sounds great, though. I don't think I... I'd heard of that prior to No, I just, uh, I went book shopping for the first time since all this crap started on my birthday, and it was not as a relaxing experience as it usually is. Yeah. So I kind of picked the first few books that I liked and got the hell out. Yeah. And I'm glad I did, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's important. Mm-hmm. Gets little injections of normal. Yes. I got you. Well, I went way, way back on oh, this one. Okay. To the way, 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 way back. Okay. 1892, way back. Whoa, that's way back. Uh Uh-huh. The Yellow Wallpaper and Other (gasps) Stories by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Oh, my. I know, right? This collection, this this particular one that I'm talking about, it has seven of her best. Um, It's best known by the 1892 title of this collection, The Yellow Wallpaper. And let me tell you, this collection holds. Like, from 1892. Like, I mean, wow. Okay. This woman was amazing nails it yeah Mm -hmm. so all of her stories in my opinion are about women that are not backing down Mm. now whether or not their end is what they want it to be or how they hoped it would be is really immaterial to the to me to the fact that they're not backing down in these stories the title story the yellow wallpaper um, is actually following a woman's kind of descent into madness basically at the hands of her very ultra controlling husband and the yellow wallpaper is very much a symbol for everything around her and this life. 
and it is gripping. There's a little bit of almost like a terrifying element to it. There's almost some humor in there. It It is. But ultimately, the story is, look, I know just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I don't have a voice doesn't mean that what I have to say about this doesn't matter. It does matter. Mm-hmm. And for 1892. Yeah, it's major. Major. But what's kills me is that it's still important today it's 2020 and we're still here still fighting some of these same fights yes i first encountered this particular volume in college it was assigned in a class and i still return to it every now and again because i love it and it's it's a classic that i need you know Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about classics that maybe we wouldn't necessarily need to teach everyone yeah Yeah. these this is a great example of something that could be put in and taught to everyone and they could benefit from it because it has so much to say about standing up for yourself finding your voice um she wrote over 200 stories in her lifetime these are just seven lord yeah so she had a lot to say and was yeah. not going to be stopped. And so even the author herself, in my opinion, is a woman who wasn't backing down, yeah. who had a lot to, to point out. Um, I It's a very thin volume. I mean, the yellow wallpaper, the story itself is like 17 pages. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say that you read it quickly because every page feels sort of like this really important lesson almost. Mm-hmm. So... It's something you can sink your teeth into. And especially if you are kind of in that mode of short stories and you like that, this is really going to, I think, speak to you mm-hmm. in that element. But it's also not so long that it's going to feel like you're slogging your way through a English literature class. Yeah. Like it is, it's worth it. If you haven't read it, it's not hard. It's not outside of anybody's ability. It's just some really good stories about saying, no, I'm not backing down. Mm. So... There you have it. The more we keep saying that, the more Tom Petty's voice is going in my head. <laughs> I won't back down. I won't. I'm not going to do it. I won't. I'm not ready to make nice. <sighs> Charlotte Perkins Gilman, not making nice. Not making nice. No. I imagine she never did. No. I, I imagine she took a lot of flack for not making I, nice. Jesus. Yeah. So This much. was almost 30 years before women could vote. Right? Damn it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. And what she was including in there. I mean, it is... There's another story about a woman who lost her husband and this other man is trying to marry her because she owns like a... a it's like, I want to say bed and breakfast, but that's, you know, like a hotel in, mm-hmm. in that day and age. And he wants to control it. So he thinks by marrying her and he's always kind of had a thing for her and she's refusing, like she's elderly and she wants to retire, but she's like, no, I'll keep having borders until the day I die because I will not marry you to let you have this property. Get not it. backing down. Get it, Charlotte Perkins Gil- Gilman. I, Gilman. Gilman. I got so much respect for you, Charlotte. Yeah. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, this is now actually a nonfiction book okay, that I'm going to talk about. And this <laughs> is called... <laughs> Apparently, I completely forgot our format in episode 71. <laughs> it's okay. We're keeping it fresh. And your brain just couldn't handle that we were talking about fiction first. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe because I knew my first pick was like, it's fiction, but it's short stories. Sure. It's kind yes. of another genre. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. Maybe- because you were blurring the lines. You thought I was blurring the lines, but I am sticking to our format. No. And not Robin Thick blurring the lines. <laughs> <laughs> not rapey blurring the lines. No. No, no, no. not going there. No. Nope. Okay. Did I just watch live sex on MTV blurring the lines, but just like normal blurring the lines. Oh boy, I don't know where to go from there. So I'm just going to go into my pick. Right into the pick. All right. So my other genre pick is called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Did you read this one? Yes. This is 
And mm-hmm. I have uh, not just this book. I also recommend some supplementary material oh, with this towards okay. the end. All right, all right. So the book, though, is a memoir by Brian Stevenson um, from 2014. And Brian was a law student when he first worked with an organization in the South providing defense to death row inmates. And the experience was just life-changing. So after that, he decided that he was going to move south and he was going to found this organization dedicated to supporting death row inmates. Um, so he does this. He, st- he founds the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a nonprofit law office in Montgomery, Alabama, um, dedicated to defending the poor, the incarcerated and the wrongly condemned. So the book tells his story and how he developed the organization. But it also talks about some of the death row inmates that he works with, who are usually black men that were sort of railroaded into where they are now. Mm -hmm. And there's this big through story throughout the book of Walter McMillan, who was a man accused and convicted of murdering a white woman, even though... He was another place where like dozens of people say that he was and there's absolutely no evidence except for a convicted murderer that sends him to death row. So there's that story, but Brian also talks about some of the other work that the organization does, like trying to end the practice of sentencing teenagers and children to life sentences, which I knew nothing about and was utterly horrified by. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's bad. So... I think I chose this for this theme because he and the EJI are sort of the epitome of not backing down Mm -hmm. with every case that he takes on. And especially Walter's case, Brian and his staff, they they face huge pressure to drop the whole thing. They're getting pressure from local law enforcement, from judges. They get evidence taken away or blocked. They get denied again and again for motions that would grant retrials. And as much as the evidence may show that his clients are either not guilty or were not granted the full extent of justice that they should be, the system pushes back. Mm-hmm. So it's inspiring as hell, but it's frustrating as hell, mm-hmm. too. It is so sort of just... How in the world is he able to stand up to this monolith of our system? And how is our system this terrible? Mm -hmm. I think it's also, you know, what I alluded to was it's a great resource for understanding the deep, deep flaws Mm -hmm. of our system and how much systemic racism is really built into it. I think Brian is a great writer. I love the way that this is structured, that there's this sort of through story, but then there's different topics that he sort of faces and has uh, come to understand more over Mm -hmm. time. Um, I think he's a very inspiring voice, but he's also human, too. He talks very much about how much sacrifice in his personal life he gives in order to follow this through, to dedicate himself to this cause. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the supplements that I recommended was, one... The movie, Just Mercy. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's really good, and okay. it focus, focuses specifically on that Walter McMillan case. Okay. So That's it stars, gathered, yeah, yeah, it stars Michael B. Jordan. Girl, oh, wonderful. As Brian Stevenson, and Jamie Foxx as Walter McMillan. That's right. It's really well done. You'll see, especially if you read the book, that as is the way with many movies, some of the situations are kind of condensed into this story that may actually be of hap- may have oh, happened okay. in other cases. Gotcha. But it's fantastic. It's really, whew, it's really uh, powerful and frustrating as hell too, but mm-hmm. really well done. And also, there's a documentary on HBO called True Justice that um, 
follows Brian and the Equal Justice Initiative. Oh. And it talks to him more about his life, about building that organization, and his major mission of creating a lynching museum, which they eventually do. They build this museum that is dedicated to named and nameless lynching victims from over time. Oh my God. Which is incredible because there's never really been an organized effort to do this. No. So it's given a lot of families a place to sort of feel like they're being recognized and being acknowledged. And mm-hmm. it's a really powerful uh, part of that show. Wow. So you get three in one. That is an amazing And my pick. picks today. That is amazing. And all of them, not backing down. Not doing it. Not doing Will it. Will not do it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. Um, before we get started, though, yeah. you read Just Mercy. Anything yes. else that you no, would say from that? Yeah, okay, it was, yeah. It's incredible. It's a very, very powerful book. I thought. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I haven't watched the movie for that reason. I'm really bad about that. That is a, yeah. a sticking point for me. Is that when I'm really connected to the book, I struggle sometimes mm-hmm. to make that leap to screen. So I haven't. But now I, I think I will. I think you find that it's really, that especially the way that Michael B. Jordan sort of takes on the character mm. of Brian. I, I think you'll find a lot to like there. Okay. And. He's nice to look at, too. Michael B. Jordan is a delight. He is a delight. delight. And he's a good actor. He is. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was thinking about this theme and thinking about what I was going to do for the other genre pick, I, and maybe particularly this week in my business life, I was reminded of Mm. some things that I find difficult about Mm -hmm. sometimes being a female in the business world Mm -hmm. and sometimes just existing in the business world, male or female. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is difficult specifically for females is, and we talked about this sort of at the beginning, how do you stand up for yourself and be tough without losing what makes you you? I am by nature not a confrontational person. Mm -mm. I'm by nature not the type of person that... um, thrives in those situations I consider myself to be somewhat soft-hearted so how do I stand up for myself and project a strong image Mm -hmm. without losing that part yeah because sometimes I feel like you have to shut that down almost to be able to do that so I was thinking about business books I've read because it was relating to me in the business sense and what I realized is I kept going and going. And I'm like, no, yeah, that one was good for this. But no, no, nobody was hitting on how I was feeling. Ooh. And then I remembered, daring greatly, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. Brene Brown? By Dr. Oh, Brene Brown. Boy. And then I was like, and that's it right there. That is the business book that everyone needs. Mm-hmm. So I've read lots of business books. Some of them are great. I'm sure that I'll go on to recommend different ones at different times but this one to me is at the heart of what not backing down is it is being able to take a stand and explaining why it's important to you Mm -hmm. which is always more effective so the main premise of this book it was published in 2012 and i you very well might have heard of her i mean she's everywhere and she's Mm -hmm. written a lot of great books but this one is really about embracing vulnerability and imperfection so that you can engage mm-hmm. and you can explain and you can help lead and help others see, which to me is actually the ultimate form of not backing down. You're not, like I mentioned, just being so divisive about an issue and saying, this is how I feel and everyone should feel that way. You're really doing the work and unpacking your own feelings about it to A, do a gut check and make sure you're understanding it from your own perspective, but also how you can bring other people in by sharing that, by sharing your experiences, by being open and vulnerable and raw and how that draws people in and is actually a more effective way to lead than just, uh, you know, 
dictatorship of Mm -hmm. this is what it is and you'll like it or leave kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So I like that a lot of what she has to say, you know, standing up for yourself doesn't mean that you have to be hard or unfeeling by any means. In fact, great leaders actually do the opposite. They feel very deeply and they look at things very pragmatically because of that, because they understand that it's humans on every side of every issue, regardless of whether you're on the opposite side of someone that's still a human being that deserves a level of respect. Um, She has a very approachable, easy to relate to writing style that the book almost felt like it was specifically written for me. <laughs> like when you're going through Isn't it. Isn't that amazing it that, is. that she can write in that way? Yeah, because I have to imagine everyone oh, has that sure. feeling yeah. when you're reading. I mean, it just hits at some of those things. And to me, it's a really great antidote because a lot of the business books and even ones that I love are written by men. And they're about, well, this is what you do and this is what you do and this is what I did and these mm-hmm. are my accomplishments. And that has a purpose. I'm not saying it doesn't. <laughs> but... It also does a disservice. Mm-hmm. And and this to me is a great example of how it does a disservice is that we're not talking about being a human right. and doing a job, which is what we all are. Yes. So that's why I picked it um, because I needed it this week, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, two things. Uh, one, I remember that this book was actually recommended by my therapist back in the day. Oh, Because right. I think... She, and I'm sure she recommended it to other people as well, like us, and maybe to a lot of women, because I was having a real strong time, a real hard time learning how to be, uh, you know, open and vulnerable and all of the things that you're supposed to be as a human with dealing with this shit storm of a world yeah. and all of the terrible things that can happen to you on an interpersonal level, on a social level, everything. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, not just us avid readers, but, you know, healthcare professionals, they are seeing the benefit of this. It's interesting, though, that I've never heard about this in a business context, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. Yeah, I think, it, I think that that's one of its primary places it would shine, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and it's what we need more of in business, you know. I understand I understand business principles. I understand that a lot of times, you know, you're working for a profit and things mm-hmm. like that. I get it. I, I totally understand it. But I also truly believe that there's a way to be an entrepreneur and a business person without stepping on people, mm-hmm. without cutting throats, without doing things that you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I still feel good about what I do. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's important. And I think that this book really gets to the heart of that is about leading and how you get people to see that vision without stepping on other people to get to where you are yes just about being you yeah and yeah you're kind of dancing around this but you had a rough week with some business experiences (laughs) and yeah Yeah. what what do you think was the problem with this particular person that you Uh... were interacting with that he that he had not read this book you yeah, think? yeah i think it yeah. primarily uh-huh. he had not read this book uh-huh. i'm gonna go uh-huh. out on a limb and say he did not like the fact i was female nope sure didn't um I'm and you go- you've said this before but you work in a very male dominated industry yes. in a small business with your husband mm-hmm. and many times this has happened where yes. someone discovers that you are a woman and oh shit the floodgates mm-hmm. are open and a lot of um, people in this industry are used to encountering women in like a receptionist role. Yes. So they're used to being passed off. Like, oh, let me check on that. They're not used to a woman being the final decision maker and yep. saying, no, this is how it is and yeah. this is what happened. And they, and it is, it can be very inflammatory mm-hmm. is what I found. This particular person um, sort of 
went a little crazy. Yeah, I, I, I would mean, say I hate so. to label him as crazy. There was a tantrum. Him. A very big tantrum. Yes. Um, because he, you said things were going to be a certain way and he could not handle it. Couldn't handle it. Um, really, with no reason. Mm-hmm. There's no logical reason for him not to handle it. I tried to get to the logic. And then when I sort of explained why that logic doesn't work, that mm-hmm. really set things Ooh. off. I will tell you that this person emailed me 10 times. Yep. And I responded three times. Mm-hmm. The other seven were unprompted uh-huh. and... Varying degrees of anger and shock and... And he tried to pretty woman you. He tried to pretty woman me. He said I made a big mistake with his business. He basically owns the equivalent (laughs) of the cheapest property in Monopoly that everybody lands on. It doesn't do you any good is what I'm saying. No. You you can't pretty woman me. So you didn't miss an opportunity. You did not. But he tried to say... Yes. And what he doesn't understand about me is that <laughs> I have done this long enough to know that there sometimes to get ahead in business, you have to cut a client. And guess mm-hmm. what, buddy? Snip, snip. I got Ouch. no interest. Mm-mm. Don't call me when your place floods because I ain't showing up. <laughs> I got your address written down. I got your name written down. You're on a list. You are on a grudge list. But you and I were talking about this a lot this week because yes. this was just so infuriating and you were trying yeah. to figure out your best response mm-hmm. knowing that you were up against some stereotypes of of what women should be and what women should do. He was very much expecting you to back down. Absolutely. As soon as I think he's that's what happened is the first email had a very different tone when mm-hmm. we were responding. The second email I made the mistake of signing my name. And the female version of my name, it's very clear that, mm-hmm. it's, that there's not males usually that are named Aaron that it's spelled that way. Yeah. And I think he saw it and he thought, oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm going to get this. Yeah. And I'm going to talk her down to the price that I want. Yes. And I'm going to use some real effed up logic to get there. Yeah. And then when I didn't like that, that was infuriating to mm-hmm. him. But and, I, and I'm, I'm downplaying it now because I was very worked up oh. because the reality is it, just like we talked about at the beginning, I can talk a big game, but it's very hard it to is. take those things on and not question yourself and go, okay, did I do this right? Was I condescending? Did I not explain things fully? Am I not doing this right? Maybe I should do some more research before I finally like got in my own, you know, out of my own way and was like, no, this I know that being this a is dick. correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the other part of it that was incredibly frustrating is that there was another party involved that we work with mm. that sort of just left me out there in the boat yeah. and privately emailed me and said, so sorry, mm. like appreciate you, mm-hmm. all those things, mm-hmm. but chose not to defend me in front of this person. Right. Because that would probably make him look weak, and he didn't yeah, want to look weak right. in front of the other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I'm assuming he doesn't want to lose that side. He yep. has a business part of it, too. That's fine, but also really crappy, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that. I would have defended him. We're just two people on the other ends of a computer. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I'm not trying to get you. I'm sorry that <laughs> something in your life feels that way. Yes. Like you're taking something out, obviously, yeah. on you. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, that uh, he's not getting what he wants. He's probably not getting what he wants in other areas of his life. And well, you are the scapegoat. Yeah. So the other thing I did was a little bit of research because mm. that's one thing that you probably, that's another thing when you cross me. I oh, do yeah. do some research. Mm-hmm. And he um, he's actually second on the property in question to a female. <gasps> and so then oh, I was like. Oh, it all becomes yeah, clear then I was now. Like, you know what? You coattail riding. Oh, that's that fine. son of a bitch. That's fine. We're done here, uh-huh. buddy. Uh-huh. So he Move is trying along. to assert some dominance because he has Move none along. in his other yeah. life. That's fine. You uh, just you move on, I'll move on. Everything's good. 
But you're not going to back down. I was, I'm not ready to make nice. Don't email me again. <laughs> it's not going to go well. I'm not going to make this nice for you. I can tell you that. Oh, I'm so glad you were okay telling that story. I wasn't yeah. sure if I was going to ask or not. But, you know, yeah. it, oh. it, it, it was a good example. A real world example yes. of this shit. Yes. I'm not going to say that I don't dream now of the day when he needs our services and oh, he calls and I get to say, I dream not of that. today, not today. <laughs> I dream of that as well. Or I could just say, not ready to make nice and hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next email, you just send the video over, you know. <laughs> Watch this video. Let me know You'll your thoughts. You'll understand. Because I know you're going to email happening. me anyway. So let's make this constructive. Let's find out what you really think about something. To me, it was the, be quant- pals. the quantity of emails just unanswered. I just pictured him like on the toilet, just like sending these. <laughs> oh, she's going to get this one. Oh, boy. She's really going to hate this one. Oh, there, there it goes. And finally, when I got some perspective, that actually makes me laugh to think that somebody was just like pacing around their one room oh, apartment, just, just being like, oh, I'm so going to get Oh, good. How dare she? And so then, I'm going to send her four emails yeah. in a row. Did she delete it? She didn't even answer. <laughs> what? She had to get it by now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did glorious. get it. And I didn't answer. Yeah, you didn't answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. What you got for pop culture over oh, there? Well, first, do you feel a little better after doing some of I that? Do. Good. I feel a little lighter. Good. I feel this a was lighter. a shit week for you. It was a shit yeah. week. Yeah. Well, for pop culture... I've got something that I think will help us all through shit weeks. Uh, it's a podcast. Okay. I've talked before how much I like Jamila Jamil. Oh. And this is a I Way podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamila Jamil, like we've mentioned, she is an actor and an activist. You may know her as Tahani on The Good Place. Fantastic role. Fantastic show. So great. Loved it. Um, and a couple of years ago, she started on Instagram. Um, she She posted something that said, you know, here's what I weigh, not my actual weight, but my, my love, my, you know, success, my, all these other things that actually define a person versus this freaking number on a scale. Mm-hmm. So that started a whole sort of flurry of activity. And she started this I weigh account where people post their own pictures and say the things that they weigh that are mm-hmm. everything except your actual body weight, because your body weight doesn't freaking matter. Right. Um, she also, she's personally lived through anorexia, through suicidal ideation, and she's become a huge advocate for all bodies, all sizes, all types of people. So big movement still on Instagram. You can follow I Wei, um, and now it's sort of an online community and now it's become a podcast. And so this year she, she launched this podcast and it's very simple. She talks to actors, activists, interesting people that sort of talk through concepts and experiences that they are very passionate about so that we can all sort of learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some big names you'll recognize. She's talked to Billy Porter. Mm-hmm. She's talked to Reese Witherspoon, Phoebe Robinson, even Roxanne Gay. Yes. But there's some new names for me that have been absolutely, I, I've loved some of these interviews. One is Alok, who is a gender nonconforming performer who advocates for fashion for all and the idea of like degendering fashion. Like, yeah. you know, a suit doesn't have to be just for a guy. A right. dress doesn't have to be just for a girl. Why do we even have these ideas about what's masculine or feminine? Right. Fantastic. Um, there's Stephanie Yeboah, who is a fat activist and model who talks about sort of the intersection of fat and black, how bodies are so much more regulated when you are both of these things. Mm-hmm. And Rachel Cargill, who is an academic and an activist who talks about... This was really fascinating to me. She sort of um, 
pinpoints the problems with white feminism versus sort of inclusive feminism. Ah. And true to my heart, being childless by choice and how empowering that is. Yeah. So tons of interviews so far. I think she's on episode 24 or something like this. And I chose for this theme for several reasons. I think that she and the people that she talks to, they push back against marketers and companies that say that only super, super thin bodies are beautiful and that only white bodies are valuable and that only like hetero bodies matter when it comes down to it. And she calls that shame. And I love that idea that she is very much anti-shame, that all these things that we're supposedly ashamed of have been taught to us, and it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also I like this because she is personally attacked on social media and media all the time. She has become sort of a lightning rod Mm -hmm. for all sorts of things. And what's great is if it's something that's called to her attention that she's actually made a mistake on, she will own it and she will say, thank you. And I am learning and I have learned from this and I will do better. If it's some bullshit about, you know, just stupid toxic crap, then she says, fuck right off in a very public way. And I love it. And All of these interviews, I think it's a way for us all to learn more, to have deeper empathy about the, you know, the world that we live in and the people that we live with. Mm -hmm. And as we've said before, empathy is something that's severely lacking in politics, in the world, in everything. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much to love about this podcast and about Jamila, and you got to get on it. Do you listen to it, Erin? Yeah, because of you. Yeah, Yeah. it's terrific. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any recent favorites that you liked? Uh, Nicole Byer was one of my favorites. That was a great one, but I love her. I mean, she's a comedian Mm. and hilarious. So I loved the Roxanne Gay one. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they're all amazing yeah she's great i think um the one i'm listening to right now is her uh designer her stylist uh law roach who also styles for zendaya but what she talks about is like when you get into um acting and fashion you're supposed to wear these sample sizes which are like size zero and she is not fat by any means she is um thin but she is not that thin and so she would never be able to fit into these things so she didn't get the press she didn't get all these things so there's this super sort of cyclical uh gross way of encouraging women to be as tiny 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 as possible or you're not going to have the success that Mm -hmm. you want to instead this stylist he was like i don't care i love women of all sizes i will dress you let's do this yeah it's fantastic which is great yeah good for that stylist well, you know, I'm going to try and explain my pop culture prick without getting too upset oh. and or crying. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Here because, we go. Um, I personally devastated by some news a couple uh. days ago. And so I'm recommending RBG, the documentary yep. by Jelly, Julie Cohen and Betsy West. Um, as we know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday, um, September 18th. And I immediately thought of this documentary and what an amazing insight these women had into her. I mean, they were given unprecedented access to her and you can see it in there. And what I love about this documentary is that I think it brings together this side that people know of her. You know, I think they see an image of her and they think they know her like, oh, yeah, she's that justice. But they didn't really understand where she came from, Mm -hmm. why she's so important to people, um, and what she did every day to just continue this fight. I mean, her whole life has been was dedicated to this cause. Um, It was released in May of 2018. It went on to win an Academy Award for Best Documentary in 2019. Um, 
it to me it's just a great explanation of a woman not backing down and mm-hmm. that's what she stood for you know she graduated number one from columbia university law school and couldn't get a job because she had a daughter and oh. she was told that to her face that you we won't hire you because you have a child now her husband also had a child yep. but somehow he, that oh, was yeah. fine for him and as a female i think i've encountered that i i when i worked in a different industry, I had people that would tell me, you know, we don't want to hire anyone that has kids or because mm-hmm. there's this idea that they're not going to be reliable mm-hmm. or they're not going to be there. They don't worry whatever. about dads. Yeah. Mm-mm. Unbelievable. So she went on to say, yeah, all right, then I'll make my own way. And that's what she did. I mean, she argued six cases in front of the Supreme Court before she became a justice. She won five. Most notably, she helped um, ratify the, not ratify, but helped the 14th Amendment um, include women because Mm -hmm. it didn't. Um, But what really speaks to me, and she says it in her own words, is that when she looks at discrimination, and whether you look at that from a female point of view, from a minority point of view, from everything that's going on right now in our world with racism, she said, oftentimes the people that say it doesn't exist are the people that are living it, mm-hmm. are the people that are perpetuating it. So if you're one of those people who says these things don't exist, you might need to look at what position mm-hmm. you hold mm-hmm. and look around because you're not seeing it from someone else's point of view. Yeah. And she talks about how often in her career she would bring that up and people couldn't understand what she was saying. Like there's no discrimination against women. They couldn't <laughs> understand that that was something that existed. Right. Um, another quote of hers that I, that I absolutely love Um this was a few years ago. It was the case where they were trying to water down the voter suppression laws, which oh. we understand are so important. And she was so adamant against mm-hmm. not doing this. And her famous quote was, that is like throwing away your umbrella during a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. Oh. And I mean, can you think of any more simple analogy yeah. that sums that up better? Like uh-huh. easy for you because you have the protection now, yeah. but do you understand you're throwing away your own protection? Mm-hmm. You're opening like the it's door. Like going to, yeah. You're That's opening exactly the door exactly what to you're doing. affect you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's hilarious. If you, so the RBG was a play on the notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. If you know, um, after this documentary came out, she did some interviews where she was sort of surprised by this, like, she kind of took this, like, rocker status. I mean, they they took the Notorious B.I.G. Oh, yeah. famous picture and put the, put crown, the crown on her head. Uh-huh. And in an interview, she was asked, you know, how do you feel about that? And she was like, well, we have a lot in common. And, like, <laughs> the crowd just lost it because, like, wait, what? And she's like, I mean, we both grew up in Brooklyn. We both like to explain things in a very lyrical way. Like, she just went for it. And, I mean, how much... Oh, you know, that's like, amazing. Yeah, you just have to respect that. And you know what? I mean, truthfully, what a pioneer. What a pioneer. And I love the the quote that you posted both on your personal account and then on Broads and Books, that, you know, how many women Yeah, she gets asked all the time, Mm -hmm. um, how many women should be on the Supreme Court? And she says nine, and people are shocked. And then she said, but it's always been nine men, and no Mm -hmm. one was shocked by that. Right. So what's the issue there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just... love that. I can't express how, you know... Yeah. See, I'm getting upset. I think a lot of us have been getting upset because we're very scared of yes. and we recognize the amazing power that she's had yes how much she is sort of held held against some of the tyranny that is uh on its way and it's very very devastating that she's no longer going to be helping yeah, yeah the timing is 
I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But but I also, sorry, you're going to hear my cry voice. That's so right. enjoy it. I yeah. said, I, you know what? I recommended being vulnerable. So here we here are. We are. <laughs> here we are. But I think the other thing that has really struck me is that I've seen a lot of people um, since she passed say, you know what? We got a lot of work to do because if an entire democracy rested on one eighty-seven woman, year old woman's <laughs> shoulders, we wrong. are effed. Like she earned her rest. It's our turn. Yeah. Let's do this. And so I'm, that's to me very inspiring. Yeah. That's what we have to hold on to. And, you know, it's not just because um, of my own personal views. I think she was important on the Supreme Court because she was so well respected. And when you have someone like that in a position of power, just like you know, Brene Brown covers, people have to rise to that. Mm -hmm. So it's not as simple as having a conservative judge who just says, this is the way it's going to be. They have to really rise and explain it through legal yeah. terms. To yes, get it because by. she challenged them to to be better. Yes. To, yes and absolutely that's right. really part of her magic too, is mm -hmm. when you are that good that you make other people have to be better. Well, my hope is too that, and I'm sure this is the case, that she was an incredible mentor to the other women on the court. Yeah. To... To lawyers everywhere, yeah. To that, that could look at her as an example mm -hmm. and rise to that occasion, yeah. And maybe see a path for themselves in the future, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I hope that that's the case. I do too. Her other famous quote was, you know, when she was at Harvard before she transferred, um, they said, you know, your nickname was bitch, and she said, yeah, better than mouse. <laughs> like I don't care. So for sure, yeah, get it. God, I want to be called a bitch by mediocre men because then that's just a <laughs> sign of it. power. You are, you getting, are it. getting it. You're getting it. Sort of on that note. Yeah, hit me uh, with it. We have, we, you know, sometimes we've uh, read wonderful reviews Glowing that we reviews. have gotten mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, just uh, a, a nice thank you to the people that have submitted them as well as encouraging those of you who love us to do the same. We've also in the past suggested that if we get negative reviews, we might read them aloud. Yeah. And guess what? It's your lucky day. <laughs> We're not ready to make nice. We're going to read it. So this review is entitled, Just Not For Me. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, the wait, person wait, wait, wait. Before you read it, yeah. I, can you tell me what the username is? That's what I was just going to do. Oh, the okay, username is all emojis. It is a cat emoji, a flower, a mouse emoji, I think another it's a cat, tiger? a tiger. Oh, that's it. Another flower, a pig, and a sunflower. So this review says, sounded good. I tried. The books were interesting. But I guess listening to ongoing giggling and meanderings gets old fast for me. Well, first of all, mm -hmm. I salute you for trying. Because <laughs> obviously that's what you're going for by saying that. Well, I was also told trying's an excuse for failing. Ooh! But you do you. Yeah, no, you, you do, do you. you. Yeah. Um, secondarily. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's giggling that I think you and that I are both hung up on. I have really struck because this was back in March, mm -hmm. and I have struggled with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the word giggling and meanderings that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I think, one, we don't giggle, we guffaw. For we sure. laugh heartily. Heartily. There is snorting. Yes. There is sometimes peeing. Sometimes. There is like some hardcore laughing. Yes. So we're not giggling. We're not little girls. No. No. And that's, I think, the point you were kind of driving at. Right. That we yeah, there was girls. some belittling there. And here's the thing. I love constructive criticism. Yes. If I can be better at something, help make me better. Mm -hmm. I, that is what this world is built on. I, I just, I'm not going to stop laughing. Uh oh 
like that. Not going to do it. And meandering is my whole life. So Lord. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's just who we are. And we've gotten many positive reviews to that effect. Yes, absolutely. Um, also, I think you had an interesting point about the emojis. The the username itself. Yeah. You were trying to figure it out. I and was, you just couldn't figure it out. I was kind of trying to decode it because mm-hmm. we have cat flower, cat flower, pig flower. Immediately, mm-hmm. I thought pussy flower. Right. Which then got Takes us thinking. a certain place. Uh-huh. Sure uh-huh. does. Mm-hmm. Also, I, the other thing I want to point out is that... Well, give, they could have given one star. They did give us two, <laughs> which that's, I'm not yep. sure if that's a guilt star, what that is. Right. I would encourage you in your future reviews to own it and just oh, do God, a yeah. one. Just yeah. do a one. Mm-hmm. But also, what I'm, what I'm confused about is that the language isn't very strong, giggling no. and meandering, but yet you felt so strong about that it. That you had to write, write a, a review. review. Yeah. So... I'm just confused, really. I am confused. Yeah. I can tell you I'm not ready to make nice. I am not going to stop giggling. Nope. I'm not going to stop meandering. No. This is what we do. That's our, that's this what is we how do. It be. And guess what? The great news for cat flower, cat flower, pig flower, uh-huh. and or pussy flower is... You're probably not listening to this anyway. Well, yeah. I, we're definitely <laughs> assuming that. If you are, then that's weird. Now you're like hate listening. Yes. Why are you doing that? Creepy. Stop it. That's creepy. That's real stalkery. Yeah. But... The good news is, yeah, you don't ever have to, you Mm-mm. don't, you don't have to make us part of your everyday no, life. No, you sure don't. Mm-mm. So there we go. It's our first one, Pete. It's our first negative review. We've gotten lots of lovely positive reviews. Yeah. And this one, uh, we just felt like we had to bring to you. Yeah. And you know what? If giggling and meandering are the worst things I do, then oh, God. We're I'm doing killing great. it. I am killing, killing this. It. And if you like giggling and meandering, the good news is we're back every week. Damn right we are. And until then, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.